You're listening to Trinity Fremont's Sermon Podcast, where you can hear God's Word preached each and every week. Our purpose at Trinity is to raise up Christ's followers in our families and in our communities. We pray that as you listen to this week's sermon, you'll be encouraged and equipped to live out your faith in all that you do. Well, this morning, I'm going to have a story for you. It's it's from the same setting that I used a couple weeks ago when we talked about the bubbling springs that fed into the rock creek that ran through my grandpa Tell's pasture south of Wisner and Beamer in, in Cumming County. So that's going to be the same setting. Except this time, we're talking about something just a little bit different. Same pasture, different story. So in late August... And I should say really late July, early to middle August. Uh, If you have any experience with a cow herd, cow-calf herd, in the spring, lush green grass. I mean, they are in heaven, right? They're just chomping down on that luscious, juicy green grass all spring. And even through June and then July starts coming and gets kind of dry and grass doesn't come back as easily. And what you have is you have a pasture with not a lot of grass left for the cows and the calf herd to munch on, to be fed by. And so it's that time of the year when they start looking down at the bottom of the creek. And you know what's down at the bottom of the creek? Luscious green grass that they haven't gotten to all summer. But cows are pretty smart. So eventually, they'll do just about anything to get to that grass. And they finally figure it out, because it's not easy. Most cricks that you see, they're deep. After years and years, hundreds of years, maybe thousands of years, the water's way at the bottom, and you have these big steep banks. But ultimately, they figure it out. They find different ways to meander different paths to get down to this luscious green grass. And before you know it, you don't even know there's cows in the pasture because they're always hidden down low eating this amazing grass. Something also happens this same time of the year. Late July, early August, the corn crop starts maturing. And... When I was a kid, it was the time that my grandpa Tell would take us down to the pasture for a little drive every evening. It was time to give the cows a little special treat. So what we would do, we would hop in his Plymouth car. He never had a pickup. He either drove drove his old Plymouth car or a tractor In this case, we were in the car with Grandpa Tell. It was time to go do this thing that I'm going to explain to you. So we would drive off the gravel road into the little driveway that that was along corn on one side, pasture on the other side, barbed wire fence between. And we would get Oh, about halfway down, and Grandpa Tell would roll down his window. 
of his old Plymouth car. No cows to be seen, right? And he would say this, a phrase or even a word that is etched in my memory forever. Some of you have heard this, I guarantee you. Cabas! 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 And out of nowhere, cows and calves would come out of the bottom of the creek banks and start walking toward this voice. And as they were walking towards the voice, Grandpa Tell would get his corn knife out. And he would start hacking the bottom of those corn stalks, those juicy, late July, early August corn stalks with ears that were already starting to mature. And my brother and I, we were about eight or nine years old. And we would try to take a pile of them and try to toss them over into the pasture. And they would be dangling on the fence line. It didn't make any difference. By this time, the cows were running towards the voice, running towards this midnight snack. And they just chomped it to bits. It was gone before you could think. They were in cow heaven. They were literally in cow heaven. So today's gospel reading, someone else is calling something, someone. Jesus is calling sheep. But we're the sheep, right? So let's go back to John. John 10, 1 to 2. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. So what is a sheepfold? And who are these thieves and robbers Jesus is referring to in this picture? And ultimately, who is the shepherd that he is referring to in this picture? So first, the sheepfold. A sheepfold was a stone structure, kind of like a, a, a sheep pen, but it was, bone, it was built out of rocks. There was not a lot of wood back there in that time, especially where Jesus was at this time. And at the end of the day, all the shepherds would bring their sheep into the same sheepfold. And we sometimes think that, sh that shepherds probably had 100, 200 sheep in their, in their herds, but that's not necessarily the way it was. They might have a handful or maybe two handfuls, no more than 20 sheep. A couple of the sheep might have actually been theirs. They might have owned a couple sheep. And then they would take care of a few sheep from the city folk who also needed sheep because they needed wool. They needed to eat. They could use the meat. And at the end of the night, all of the shepherds would come back from wherever they were shepherding or pasturing their sheep, and they would all go into the same sheepfold. Here's a picture of a sheepfold if you want to take a look and see what it might have looked like. Now, each shepherd in the morning then would come and get his sheep. And he would get his sheep by calling his sheep 
and the sheep knew his voice. And the sheep would come out to the shepherd. So what about these thieves and robbers? It looks like they could probably hop over that fence pretty easily, doesn't it? So who were these thieves and robbers? We now know what a sheepfold is. Well, the sheep, the religious leaders of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they were the religious leaders of the day, and, and, and they were the wolves, they were the thieves that he is referring to. To figure out who the thieves and robbers are, though, we kind of need to go backwards. Because actually, John 10 is an extension of John chapter 9, where Jesus healed the blind man. And not just any old blind man, the blind man that was blind from birth. Do you remember that story? So this is coming right before the word picture that Jesus gives us today. And so the religious leaders are very skeptical, and they're trying to disprove that this man was indeed blind in the first place. So they go and ask his parents. And the parents were a little bit leery of these religious leaders. Do you remember what the parents told the Sadducees and Pharisees? It's kind of funny. Anyone remember? I don't see Duane here today. <laughs> what did he say? Ask him yourself. He's old enough. Ask him yourself. And so they did. For a second time, they brought, they brought the man in front of them, and they didn't really like his answer. Because he said, the only thing that I know is that I was blind, but now I see. Well, this man actually gets the Son of Man revealed to him, one of the very few. In John 9, verse 37, Jesus tells this, this blind man who now can see who he is. Because he asks, who is this Son of Man? Jesus said to him in John 9, 37, you have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. So the religious leaders are hearing this conversation between Jesus and the blind man. And now this gets us to the word picture that we have in John 10. Same story, just bleeding into chapter 10. A word picture where we have established what the sheepfold is. We have established who the thieves and robbers are, the religious leaders. But we haven't established who the shepherd is, but we know who the shepherd is, right? Who's the shepherd? Jesus is the shepherd, of course. But as we continue on through these verses, we will find that the next word picture that Jesus uses to explain himself to the, to the religious leaders is something different. He doesn't call himself a shepherd, but we'll get to that after we read verse 3. 4 and 5. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice and he calls them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of stranger. 
Can, can you picture this now? A shepherd calling his sheep in the morning, coming out, probably one, one at a time, coming out to the shepherd, following the voice, and going out to the cool waters and the green pastures for the day. This picture isn't something new. Certainly something new that John would have heard about when he wrote John chapter 10. Actually, sheep and shepherds are mentioned over 400 times in the Bible. And the Old Testament is full of sheep and shepherds. And who's the shepherd in the Old Testament? It's not Jesus yet. It's God. It's God, the almighty God. God is most well-known shepherd in the Old Testament. We look at that in Psalm 23, verse 1, where it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. We know that one, don't we? Or Psalm 77, 10, You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Or Psalm 79, 13. But we, your people, the sheep of your pasture, will give thanks to you forever. Psalm 80, verse 1, Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock. And you're probably familiar with our last one here, Psalm 95, 7, For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. So yes, God, the shepherd of the Old Testament, he led Abraham to the promised land and into the promised land. God, the shepherd, led Moses and the, and the Israelites out of Egypt after 430 years of bondage back, and then they were in the wilderness for 40 years, being provided for by the good shepherd. They had food, manna, water that came from rocks, and their clothes didn't even wear out. That's quite a shepherd. And then, ultimately, God leads them as a shepherd back into the promised land with the guidance of Joshua. Yes, Joshua. Now, it's not a coincidence that the name Jesus in Hebrew is Yeshua, which is translated in English to Joshua. Both are about saving. The name Joshua means Yahweh saves. And Yahweh is the name for God used by the Israelites. So the saving part in our scripture lesson this morning becomes very clear when Jesus gives the religious leaders a different vision, this second word picture, to try to explain himself. Verse 7, so Jesus again said to them, new word picture, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. So earlier I told you we were going to find how Jesus described himself as something other than a shepherd. So now we know. How does Jesus describe himself as a door? I am the door of the sheep. The door of the sheep? 
Well, if the believing Jews were the sheep and Jesus is the door, even the religious leaders knew what Jesus was up to. He wasn't messing around. He's getting into saving time. He makes it clear in verse 9 that he isn't playing around, that this is serious business because he is a saving shepherd, not just a good shepherd, a saving shepherd. He's not only the good shepherd who takes care of his sheep, Jesus is the saving shepherd. It is only through Jesus that we are saved. There's only one door. Jesus is the only door that we may be saved. He repeats it again in verse 9, that he is the door, but then the word picture is over. And it's salvation time. Verse 9, I am the door, he says it again. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. So do you see it? The word saved. Jesus, the good shepherd, saves. When Jesus saves, when we are born again through our faith in Jesus, well, we are free. We're no longer slaves to our sinful nature. We are renewed children of God. Even the evil one has no power over us. We will be protected, and that's what shepherds do. We will be protected from the thieves and robbers of our day, protected from false hopes, false teachers of our day, and even false prophets. John 10, verse 10, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So what is this abundant life Jesus is referring to in verse 10? Well, it's eternal life with him in heaven. That's the abundant life that Jesus is referring to that we receive in one way and one, on, one way only, through the door of Jesus. It is not through material goods or worldly success that we're saved. It's not the false hopes of this world. This abundant life is given to you by the saving shepherd. But it's not just for the believing Jews of the day. In verse 16 of chapter 10, just six verses later, he makes this very clear. That the Gentiles... You and me, we're also included in this flock. And we are grafted into God's family by the blood of the Lamb. We just have to listen to his voice. Verse 16. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. That's you and that's me. I must bring them also. And they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock... And one shepherd. Now, I don't know about you, but that's the best news you're going to hear all day. We are part of one flock, and we have one shepherd. His flock is made up of all the faithful saints that have even gone before us and those who are still with us. We all have saints that are in the presence of the good shepherd, don't we? part of the one herd. We've lost grandparents. 
you've lost, I've lost parents, good friends. Some of us have even lost children. But you see, they're all resting in the promises of the Good Shepherd. They are part of his flock forever. They're the, they're the blessed ones. They're not dealing with this world, are they? But they're still part of the flock, and we're part of that one flock led by the one good shepherd. Last night, little Colt Weinrich, he became part of the flock through holy baptism. Right there, right at that font, Colt Weinrich became part of the shepherd's flock. But we can't ignore the last part of the verse, friends. For us to follow Jesus, we have to do something. What do we have to do? Listen to his voice. And where do we hear his voice? Where do we hear Jesus calling us? Where do we hear Jesus instructing us, guiding us, protecting us? It's one place, and it's one place only. It's in the Word of God, right? The holy, precious Word of God. You see, if we don't listen to God's Word, we can easily be led astray, just like sheep. Have you ever wandered off in your faith? Do you have family members who have wandered off in their faith? Remaining part of this flock is not easy. Satan is working overtime to separate us from being in God's flock. And he does it deceptively. He does it very subtly. You see, Satan and the false teachers of today, they can be seen very easily because they take they take, and they take some more. But our good shepherd, our saving shepherd, Jesus, only gives, gives, gives. He gave it all. He gave his entire life so that we can be part of his flock. So, are you listening to Jesus? Or are you listening to the world? What do you listen to on the radio? What podcast do you listen to? Who are you listening to? What TV shows do you watch? Do you surround yourself with Christian brothers and sisters? What are you hearing from your friends? What books are you reading? And then there's social media, right? What are you reading on Facebook? What are you participating in Facebook or Twitter, Instagram, even TikTok? What are you listening to? 
Who are you listening to? Makes all the difference in the world. It's a matter of life and death, brothers and sisters. Are you in God's word daily? Are you in worship weekly? That's where we hear the voice of our shepherd. In word. And we are strengthened through sacrament, through word and sacrament, through water and word, we are baptized, right? That's powerful. We're being led to the still waters of baptism by Jesus, by the Holy Spirit. And what about Holy Communion, where we are fed with his very body, with his very blood. Where we receive the nourishment that we need. Not corn cobs thrown over the fence. Literally, Jesus' body and blood. And we receive that power and that forgiveness and that grace. So to hear... To hear the voice of Jesus is vital, isn't it? Someday, someday, we will all be in the fold. And actually, we already are. We've already been called back to Jesus through baptism, through our faith, through the word. So it's not... Grandpa Tell calling Kabas. It's Jesus saying, Come, Bev. Come, Paul. Come, Brian. Come, Vern. Come, Jeff. Come, Marilyn. Come, Anthony. Come, Landon. Come. Come to the waters that I have for you. Everlasting waters. Nourishment. Eternal life. So until we take our final breath, we are nourished you and I are nourished and we are sustained not by corn stalks being thrown over a fence. We are nourished by the word of God and his sacraments. The end of the epistle lesson today that we read at 6 and 8, Peter puts it way better than I can put it. And he's going to get the last word today. Peter says in chapter 2, verses 24 to 25, he himself, Jesus, he bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Thank you, Jesus, for calling us to you. And may you be blessed 
as you follow Jesus each and every day all the way to eternity. Amen.